Well, happy Mother's Day to all you moms with us this morning. I uh, want to take this moment just to thank God for all the women of our church. So many of you have been uh, tremendous encouragement to me. And so I pray that on this day that uh, is set aside for recognition of you, that you just kind of soak it in and that we celebrate your goodness and your gift to us as a body uh, of Christ. We're once again this morning in, in this series from here to there, focusing in on having a right heart before God. Um, and this morning, that's uh, uh, easy to do when you, you, you had the context of Mother's Day. Um, my mom was a hero to me. She's passed away many years ago. But um, she had a dream for our family that we would continue to have relationship uh, ongoing even as we got older. And so uh, years ago, as a substitute teacher and a part-time J.C. Penney clerk, that girl put away enough money to buy a vacation place up in northern Minnesota. And we built a cabin because of her. And every time I go up there and enjoy my family up there and see my, my sister mostly because we co-own it now together, I think of my mom and how in the world did she pull this off. But that's a mother's heart, isn't it? She wanted to make sure that we had opportunity uh, to gather and keep relationship up. And I, I tell you what... Uh, she had this right heart. And this morning, as we get into this message today on having a right heart once again, um, oftentimes moms are very illustrative of that, aren't they? Several weeks ago, I began to talk to you about a, a king named Hezekiah. And in that first message, when we, looked, when we introduced to you Hezekiah, it was in the context of our first leg of the series here to there. What do I do when my world turns upside down? Well, this king, who is known as one who did right in the sight of God, was in that moment when his world turned upside down. Uh, he stood against the superpower of his day, uh, the, the Assyrians. Um, this morning, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. It's going to be focused on having a right heart. And as we pick a story up once again, we're going to kind of change the emphasis of what do I do when my world turns upside down to, to how am I to have a right heart uh, uh, before God. The way he ends his life is full of insight and wisdom. Um, for the heart of the follower of God. In this here to there series, you got to remember, our, our goal is to look like Jesus, to, to gain a heart attitude like that of Jesus Christ. And the first leg of the trip was all about, what do I do when my world isn't going like I think it should go? How do I stand fast in God? This second leg of the trip that we're on right now is about having the right kind of heart attitude that, that's reflective uh, of Christ. And this morning, as we return to the story of Hezekiah, we're going to have the focus then be on the heart. Let me do a quick review for you of Hezekiah. Set the stage for the message this morning. He's king over this tiny nation of Judah. And prior to his reign, his father Ahaz gave basically uh, the rule of Judah over to the Assyrians. He willingly became a vassal of the Assyrians so that they would protect him. Now Hezekiah becomes king, and I think through the God's prompting and anointing, says, no, 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 we're not going to serve the Assyrians any longer. And he decides to stand against this superpower of his day. And we showed a video. I don't know if you remember the video. Godzilla meets Bambi? Do you remember that video? Yeah, and so little Judah's like Bambi in Assyria at that time was like Godzilla. And so when this king decided to stand against the superpower of his day, he had to have a radical trust of God. He just had a radical trust of God. And that radical trust of God 
looks like this. It had three major components to it that we covered here a few weeks ago. Hezekiah whittled down his options with only God remaining. Basically, only God could deliver him. All right? So he whittled down all his options. He said, God, if you don't deliver us, we're toast. We're Bambi stopping material for the superpower of Assyria. By standing this way, basically, he was saying, God, in you alone do we trust. Now, listen, when you whittle down your options where it's only God in your life, that's terrifying and awesome at the same time. It's terrifying and awesome at the same time. And Hezekiah stood fast in his faith in the face of trash talk. Now, what you got to understand is at that time, that superpower Assyria didn't want to waste any resources to, to, to put down this rebellion in Jerusalem, in Judah. And so what they did was they sent some ambassadors to try to talk them down. And they did some mighty fine trash talking to this little nation of Judah. But yet, Hezekiah and gang, they stood firm in the face of all this verbal attack. And thirdly, when he was backed into a corner, Hezekiah called on God in prayer. It was a beautiful, powerful prayer that he cried out to God with. And uh, the Lord delivered Judah from the Assyrians. It's an amazing, it's an amazing miracle. The Assyrians are, are distracted because the Egyptians attacked them, so they have to leave their siege of Jerusalem, go back and take care of Egypt. Well, as this is all going on, God slays 185,000 Assyrians, and so Sennacherib, the, the, the leader of the Assyrian uh, people, the king of the, the Assyrian people, kind of goes back to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria at that time, with his tail between his legs. And as he is worshiping his God in the temple, his sons slay him, just like Isaiah foretold. And on a public sense, in, in a grand way, you can just see God moving on behalf of this little nation of Judah, on behalf of Hezekiah, and it's awesome. But here's something I've learned in life. I don't know if you've learned this life. Just when you think things are going good, something comes up. You know what I mean? I don't mean to be cynical or paranoid, but when things are really going good, tomorrow seems to bring a new challenge. Have you ever noticed that? And, and, and now for Hezekiah, his challenge had been, in one sense, a very public challenge. The nation uh, of Judah was standing against the nation of Assyria. Now the challenge he's going to face is very personal. It's an illness. It's very personal. You know, I've come up with an axiom in life. It's just kind of a general rule in life. It could be like this. It could be stated like this. When you think you're challenge-free, there's another challenge on the way. It's just the way it is. And that challenge is directly proportional to the number of kids that you have in your household. That's just like a subset of the axiom. But it's true, amen? The more kids you have, the more challenges you'll face in life. So we're going to pick up Hezekiah's story in Isaiah chapter 38 this morning. But I, I, I picture it this way. Hezekiah's probably going, ah, oh, I can finally breathe easy. Life is good. God's taking care of this Assyrian issue. And, and, and the version for you and I might be this, you know, maybe I just finally got the job I want. Life's going to be good. Or maybe if you're a mom here with young children, you finally got them all in school. And you think, life's going to be good. You have no idea if that's who you are, that there's some challenges lying ahead for you. Some of you who are older, you should be nodding your head vigorously with me on that one. You know, and it just, there's, there's a lot of versions of this, okay, I've gotten through this thing, and now life should be good. 
But now for Hezekiah, his challenge is going to move from this public arena to a very private uh, arena. And I believe this is where the greatest battles of the heart are waged. When you're alone at home at night and you're facing something extraordinarily personal and your faith is wavering a little bit and maybe you're not feeling so good, whatever be the case, that's where I think the battles of the heart are really waged. So this account, I think, is super relevant for you and me. We really need to gain some insight. Listen to Isaiah 38, verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became ill. He was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says, put your house in order because you're going to die. You'll not recover. Bummer, huh? Bummer. It's like, come on, God, give me a break here. Seriously? And this is life at times. Stories told of a young paratrooper who was going to take his first solo jump. And he had been trained well, and the instructor went over some final instructions with him once again, saying, listen now, you know the, you know the routine. Count to 10. One, two, three, four, five, six. Pull your ripcord. Your chute should open. If your chute doesn't open, you know what to do. Pull the secondary chute. It'll open. And then we'll have a truck down there uh, waiting for you to meet you to take you back to base camp. So the young paratrooper jumps out of the airplane, pulls the first ripcord. Chute doesn't open. He doesn't panic, though. He's been trained, right? Pulls the second ripcord. Chute doesn't open. And then he begins to think aloud. I bet the truck isn't there either. (laughs) Anyway, that's a terrible story, but anyway. This is life. Just when you think you got it under control, that was terrible, wasn't it? Because you all thought this could be something profound, not some stupid story like that. Anyway, life's like that. Just when you think it's under control, something unexpected seems to come up. Listen with your heart now, not just your mind. Listen with your heart to Hezekiah's prayer to God in response to this announcement to him about his impending death. He says this in verse 2 through 6. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord, Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend the city. Now Hezekiah had just experienced God on a new level, a very personal level, which brings us to where I want to take us this morning, to the matters of the heart. We're getting at the heart here today in this message. See, God intends, this is point number one on your note-taking guide, God intends for your relationship with him to be an ever-deepening, greater dependence experience. God intends for your relationship with him to be an ever-deepening, greater Dependence experience. That, my friends, is a definition of maturity in Jesus Christ. Not knowing just more information, but having this experience of a deepening, greater dependence on God. And oftentimes the things that happen in our life are the tool, are the catalyst for that very thing to become a reality for us. If we will handle them rightly. Hezekiah's experience became real personal because of his illness. Now, this same account is given over in 2 Kings with some more detail. 
after Isaiah shares his word with Hezekiah in the second king's account, we're told that he wants a sign that the Lord will indeed heal him. Now, I don't know what you're thinking about this, but I'm thinking, really, Hezekiah? Really? You need a sign that God will heal you? I mean, look at what he's done for you. He's delivered you from the Assyrians. He's slain 185,000 of the soldiers. Everything Isaiah said is coming true right before you. You need a sign? But you know what's going on? His battle has moved from the public arena to a very private arena. And that's difficult. Maybe, maybe there's a lesson in this for us here. I mean, even in how we share about the Lord with other people. I think oftentimes we try to apologize them. When you say the word apologize, I mean apologetics. Into the kingdom of God. We try to talk them into it. We try to have answers for everything, you know, in case they bring up a question. And there's nothing wrong with being, you know, an informed follower of Jesus but you know what I think we need to begin to do? We need to pray that that person that we love or are concerned about or have a relationship with that doesn't know Christ, we need to pray, God, do something supernatural in their life. Do something that they can't explain away. Do something that shocks their soul. Maybe that's how God wants his people to begin to pray and interact with people around, just expect him to do divine things. Why not? That's who he is. That's his standard operating procedure. And that's what he does in the life of Hezekiah here. Um, Isaiah gives Hezekiah a choice. You can have one of two things happen, Hezekiah. The sundial can go forward 10 steps or backwards 10 steps. And Hezekiah, wanting to be a real miracle of God, said, well, going forward is easy. I don't know why that would be easy, personally. Seems like that would be pretty difficult for that. Well, maybe he's thinking in natural time, but I'm sure Isaiah meant quickly. He said, no, I'd rather have it go backwards 10 steps. And so God answers that prayer and that request of, of Hezekiah, and the sundial moves back 10 steps. Now, what's interesting about this, and this isn't why I believe, I believe this simply because God says it and is in his word. But it's interesting to find out that there's reference to long days found in other cultures, like in Greece and Egypt. But what's really interesting to me is if you go all the way around the world, to Native American culture and South Sea Islanders culture, they record a long night. That makes sense, since they're on the other side of the world, right? At any rate, that's not why I believe it. I believe it because it's in God's word. So Hezekiah, in his day, sees the sundial go back 10 steps. It's quite a miracle. That would get your attention. And he is healed, and he gets 15 more years. What a gift. What a gift. He knew, I have 15 years now, and my life's done. I think God wants us to see something. He wants us to see that your life and my life is a great gift. Do you realize that? It's a gift. And we need to use our time wisely. We need to have that perspective that our life is a gift given to us. Because if we have that perspective, it changes our hearts changes our attitudes, and it should affect our hearts. And God becomes greater in our lives, and things of God become more urgent in our lives. So what does Hezekiah do with this gift of time? Becomes a natural question you would ask here. Well, let's read about it in Isaiah chapter 39. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. At that time, Marduk 
Balaam down, son of Balaam down, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah letters and a gift because he had heard of his illness and recovery. Hezekiah received the envoys gladly and showed them what was in his storehouses, the silver, the gold, the spices, the fine olive oil, his entire armory, and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked, What did those men say? Where did they come from? From a distant land, Hezekiah replied. They came to me from Babylon. The prophet asked, What did they see in your palace? They saw everything in my palace. Hezekiah said, There's nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your uh, predecessors had stored up until this day will be carried out to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good. Why do you think about that for a moment? The word of the Lord you have spoken is good. Hezekiah replied. Here's why he said that. For he thought, there will be peace and security in my lifetime. Yikes. I hope you say yikes there. Wow, that doesn't seem right. Some of the story is more understood when you go over to a companion scripture in 2 Chronicles 32. That reveals a little bit more of what was going on here with this Babylonian visit. And I want to read verses 24 through 31 to you because they really illuminate what was going on here in Isaiah 38. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. He prayed to the Lord who answered him and gave him a miraculous sign. But Hezekiah's heart was what? Proud. And he did not respond to the kindness shown him. Therefore, the Lord's wrath was on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah repented of the pride of his heart, as did the people of Jerusalem. Therefore, the Lord's wrath did not come on them during the days of Hezekiah. Hezekiah had very great wealth and honor, and he made treasuries for his silver and gold and for his precious stones, spices, shields, and all kinds of valuables. He also made buildings to store the harvest of grain, new wine, and olive oil. And he made stalls for various kinds of cattle and pens for the flocks. He built villages and acquired great numbers of flocks and herds, for God had given them very great riches. It was Hezekiah who blocked the upper outlet of the Gihon spring and channeled the water down to the west side of the city of David. He succeeded in everything he undertook. Now hear this. But when envoys were sent by the rulers of Babylon to ask him about the miraculous sign that occurred in the land, God left him to test him and to know everything that was in his heart. This is a test. These guys are going to come, Hezekiah. Will you give me glory? Will you tell them what's going on? Instead, you know what Hezekiah did? He was prideful. He wanted them to see how great he was. He wanted them to see how important he was. He wanted them to see all the riches he had. He wanted to see the armor he had. Do you see what's going on here? It revealed what was going on in his heart. And what was going on in his heart at this moment wasn't really good. And this brings us to point number two. How you respond to what comes your way in life can reveal the condition of your heart. Whether things are going really well or things are going really bad. How you respond to what comes your way in life can reveal the condition of your heart. And it doesn't always have to be a bad thing, does it? 
What you do when God blesses you, what you do with that reveals your heart, as well as what you do when things are going bad or not going so well in your life. Both things reveal what's going on in your heart. And, and the Babylons were there to test Hezekiah. And, and his, he mistakenly trusted them. And he wanted to be seen as important to them. And basically that revealed that something's awry in the heart of Hezekiah. I want to talk about his mistakes here. Because you know what? We do not want to make these mistakes. Amen? So let's talk about his mistakes. First of all, he trusted the wrong source. He trusted the Babylonians. He dumbwittingly showed them who were, who were going to become the future captives of his, you know, nation. He showed them everything. Can you say dumb with me? Here we go, dumb, right? I've watched just little pieces of that movie, Dumber Than Dumb or Dumber Than Dumber or whatever it is. Anyways, I think, I don't even know the right name of it. <laughs> of whatever it is. All I know is it's a dumb movie. Um, I, I, whenever I hear this, I think, yeah, that was dumb. Babylon would soon carry half Judah into exile. Now, bring this into our moment of history. Bring it into our moment. Watch out that you do not place your trust, beloved, in the wrong sources. We do it all the time, too. Somebody will be winsome or charismatic or have influence or power or whatever may be the, uh, you know, descriptor of that person or that institution or whatever. And we will quickly, way too quickly, begin to trust them in a way we ought not to trust them. And then when things start going astray, we wonder why people who do not know Jesus Christ are acting like people who do not know Jesus Christ. Right? We do it all the time. Catch yourself when you're doing that. Think of Hezekiah. Don't show him the treasuries. Don't show him the armory. Trust the right sources. Trust in the Lord your God. Amen? But be slow to place your trust elsewhere. Secondly, well, let me finish this thought. Uh, then be careful whom you trust. In Proverbs 13, 20 says, He walks with the wise, grows wise, but a companion, a fool, suffers harm. Be careful who you let influence you because if you let someone who denies that God is real and Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, if you, you let that person influence you too much, even if they're winsome and charismatic, they can take you to places you ought not to go real quickly. So just be careful. There's a second mistake that Hezekiah makes that I cringe whenever I read it. We're told that Hezekiah thought the word of the Lord is good because there'll be peace and security in my lifetime. Yikes, what kind of attitude is that? It's abhorrent. It's a terrible attitude. It's totally contrary to my mom's attitude, who was concerned about us and grandkids and having a place of relationship that she was willing to sacrifice for that. He's just the opposite. He goes, whoo, not me, not my life, some good deal. Wow. He selfishly thought only of his own situation. This probably explains why his son, who took over the throne from him, at age 12, is known as the king who did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, do some math with me. How many years did Hezekiah get as an extension? Okay, when he dies, his son is 12 that takes over. So when was the son born? In that time, after God intervened and answered his prayer. Hezekiah should have been sitting that boy down and saying, 
God delivered us from the Assyrians. God healed me miraculously. Somehow there's this big honk and miss, amen? What happened? He didn't seem to use that time wisely with his son. Here's my takeaway from this story today, from this account. Will you see your life as a precious gift from God and use the gift of time he graces you with wisely? Will you do that? To me, that's a big takeaway here. One of my uh, other moms that I really appreciate is my wife, Vicki. Try not to look her direction while I say this because she hates it when I do this. But I remember having a discussion when our children were little and she was more on this push than I was. I was always learning. She seemed to be smarter than me at these things. Um, we knew that we didn't have a lot of time with our children and life was short. And We elected not to have a TV for 10 years or a decade or something. I don't know. Because we just wanted to devote that time to family and I worked a very intense job and I didn't, you know, we didn't want to watch a lot of TV and People ask me up frequently during that time, aren't you feeling like you're missing out what's going on in the world? I said, no, I have you. You'll tell me. And they did. They always did. So you know what I mean? This sounds a bit radical, but I think God calls us to radical, doesn't he? Because our lives are short and they're precious and we need to lose the time wisely. Would you read this out loud with me? It's Psalm 9012. Would you read Psalm 9012 out loud with me, please? Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Our lives are meant to be this adventure of ever deepening greater dependence upon the Lord our God. How we respond to things that come our way in life often are indicative of what's going on in our heart. Amen? And we just need to, we need to do this kind of honest self-evaluation when these things come. And what we have to understand is all this is going on, is life is so precious, it's so short. Use it wisely. It goes by so fast. If we start having these things kind of percolate around inside us, guess what? Our heart's looking a lot like Jesus. And we're getting a little closer to our destination we need to get to, is having a heart that reflects Christ. Some of you are raising little kids right now. God help you all, Amen. Because it's a hard time of life. Don't long for when they're older. Be present in the moment they're in. Train up those little ones in the way they should go. Invest in them. Throw yourself into them. Live in the moment that God has graced you with. Be there and be present. Don't be longing for some other day. Use that time wisely. Some of us are a little older. I'm trying not to look at anybody specifically when I say that. I'm one of you. You know, bunches of grandkids, you're in a different phase of life. You got more free time, sort of. Again, live in that moment wisely. Invest in those around you. Life is a precious gift from God. Use it wisely. Some of us are in college or high school, whatever be the case. I know a tendency when you're in that phase of life is to think I'll begin life down over here someplace when I get done. Don't do that. Live the life you're in now well. Do life that you're in. I don't, I'm not saying don't plan for the future, but live where you're at. Don't always think tomorrow I'll begin to do some things. Don't do that. Life's a precious gift. Use it wisely. Amen? Amen.